Welcome back, you guys. So we are on part three of my interview with Pastor Rich Bitterman. We have been talking about how the kids are getting into new age beliefs. We've been talking about how Pastor Rich Bitterman wishes that more people had told him about Christ before he got saved at the age of 42. Just a good reminder to all of us to never feel like everybody just knows, that everybody just knows about Jesus Christ, that everybody just understands the gospel. We need to never um, take for granted the fact that we do understand it. We do know about Jesus. A lot of people don't. A lot of people will go through their entire lives and never really know any of it. And it is our job as Jesus's disciples to go out and disciple to the world. We have to go and tell people the good news. That is what we are called to do. And on the last episode, that is where we left off where Pastor Rich Bitterman was talking about how he wishes that his colleagues and his you know friends and people were telling him more about Jesus before he ended up learning ultimately more about it when he was over 40. So we just, we can be doing more. We can always be doing more. And I think that a lot of Christians just for whatever reason think, well, you know, everybody knows, everybody knows. No, everybody doesn't know. That's why we're called to go tell people about it. So anyways, let's get back into part three. This is part three of my interview with Pastor Rich Bitterman. Yes, and that's exactly it. I mean, it's very important to actually go out and evangelize because I do think that we get stuck in this um, place as Christians. A lot of us do, and it's sad. It's pathetic, actually, um, that we just, you know, we get comfortable with it. And we think that, you know, just kind of straddling the fence on everything is what we should do. And don't, you know, ruffle too many feathers. Don't go out and evangelize. You know, that's a lot. You might you might upset somebody. But I do think it's important for us to evangelize. And I remember I did this um, youth group type thing with one of of my best friends in high school. She was also homeschooled. And we had gone around to so many churches in the area that I grew up. I grew up in Alabama. And I we went around everywhere, like literally looking for a church. And we went to so many youth groups looking for a youth group that we liked, but they all seemed unbiblical. And we knew because we were homeschooled for religious reasons, um, you know, what was biblical, what wasn't biblical. And so, you know, our antennas went up a lot. It wasn't to be hypercritical. It was just to, you know, notice things that we didn't believe in and that we didn't understand why they were trying to convince so many of the youth to believe when we knew, again, because of how we were raised, that like that is not right. That is not biblically accurate. And so it bothered us even at that age, um, especially at that age, because it did also seem like a lot of the youth groups were just trying to up their numbers way more than it seemed like they were trying to be biblically accurate. And so it did bother us. But anyway, um, her mom ended up starting a youth group that I went to. I played guitar and sang for it. And we had a lot of our other friends that we got to come to it because a lot of our friends were thinking, well, all of these youth groups are just very into the like fog machines and the little boy, you know, rock bands and like the um, cool lights. You know, it was all about the worldly aspects of the churches that, you know, these people were going to. 
and we had a huge problem with it. We convinced a lot of our friends to join my friend's mom's youth group. And it was, it was really great. It was just, we would meet up at her house. We would read the Bible. We would talk about what we were learning. It was very casual, but very, um, much more, much more structured actually being more casual, but way more structured than any of the churches in my area. And I do remember thinking this is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a group of people being very, you know, close knit, going to each other's houses, reading the Bible, talking about, you know, what Jesus did when he was on earth and really just trying to grasp the message together and, you know, be in fellowship with that. It doesn't have to be this big extraordinaire or like, you know, church event type thing that a lot of the churches are getting into, especially the mega churches. A lot of kids are getting into the mega churches and don't even get me started on Joel Osteen. We will, this will be a very long episode if we talk about Joel, but um, yeah. So, so I think that, you know, evangelism is super important. The reason I bring up my youth group and why we started that was because we started to evangelize. That was one of the big things that her mom wanted us to do. She started talking about, um, you know, evangelizing. And I had never heard of that before, even though, you know, we grew up homeschooled for religious reasons. We had never actually evangelized. We hadn't gone out and actually discipled like that before. And when we started doing that, she took us to, uh, to the mall. And we all started, you know, just like practicing talking to strangers about Jesus and not in like a creepy way. I do remember also going to coffee shops a lot in high school and there would be like Jehovah's Witnesses that were handing us pamphlets and they were like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you got to, and you really should. And and here's why we're right and why you need to believe what we believe. So it wasn't like super aggressive like that, but we would just try to strike up conversation with people, talk a little bit about, you know, something else and then talk about, you know, their spiritual walk. And, and not be like Jehovah's Witnessy about it, but like just calmly and normally, like in a normal fashion, talk to people about Jesus. And it was a really cool experience because it was eye-opening to me about how little I had been doing that. And I I started to realize how important it was right then in high school because I was like, we, we are supposed to do this. This is what we're actually called to do. And I was shocked that none of the churches that we had been going to had ever um, tried to get us to do that. And so... Anyway, all of that to say, evangelizing is very important, and I'm glad that, you know, you you are doing that and that eventually, you know, you did come to Christ and that people did that to you. I think that that's really, really cool. I want to swerve a little bit over to Trump. This seems a little weird, but whenever he was running, I do remember this thing going on where, and a lot of people are going to be mad that I'm bringing this up, but here we go. This is called Uncommon Sense. This is my podcast. I don't have a label, so I can say whatever I want. Um, I, I just want to say that for all of Trump's policies, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a super fan of all of Trump's policies. Why? Because they helped people. I love people. So obviously, I want policies that are going to help people. Uh, you know, Trump helped our economy. We had the best economy that we've ever had. We were never safer in regards to the border, um, you know, being closed and people weren't just coming in willy nilly. We didn't know who they were. We didn't know if they were criminals. We didn't know if they were part of the cartels. Uh, you know, we have a lot of people now in major cities including DC, where people are, um, a lot of people are calling them foldies, but they'll like fold over themselves because they are so high on fentanyl and other drugs that they are just literally just, they're hanging out, but they're not, they're not with it. You know, they're completely, they, they look unconscious, but they're not, they're alive, but they are literally just folding over themselves and wasting their lives on these drugs. And 
I, I really don't understand why it's so hard to end the cartels. It's literally the most destructive thing in our country right now. And I think that drug dealers are just the worst scum of the earth. Like, I do not understand how you in your conscience can be okay with uh, ruining lives, killing people, uh, destroying families. I don't know how in your soul you can square being okay with that. Like, I really don't know. Um, but anyway, the cartels have really ruined everything in Trump's policies on the border protected everybody in, in regards to that. Now we have, all, have so many people addicted to drugs. So again, thank you, drug dealers, for, you know, ruining... Y'all are terrible. You're just trash. You're just literally this, the worst. Um, and But Trump had really good policies. He had really good policies that kept us, us safer, more prosperous. Um, everybody was more inspired, like, positive uh, when Trump was president because he was very inspirational. Um, you know, Trump was always talking about how you can do whatever you want, how you can accomplish anything you desire. You've just got to put in the work ethic. But for all of Trump's amazing policies, and he did have a lot. And I, I really do think he's going to win 24. If he doesn't, then I don't know what's going to happen to this country, but it's not going to be a good thing. It's going to be a very terrifying time for everybody. Um, but for all of his good policies, I have always been very concerned about the fact that Trump said, you know, he's never repented. I remember him saying he had never repented. And that did very much bother me. And I think it would be um, a very profound thing, actually, if Trump did tell everybody that he had repented and like inspired more people to do that around the country and frankly around the world. Um, but I do remember that just really being something that bothered me about Trump because and I don't know his personal life. I don't know his spiritual journey. Maybe since then he has repented. Who knows? Uh, maybe he wants to keep that more of a private thing. I understand. I'm just saying that that did bother me. And I am noticing that even when I'm telling people about God, it seems like they, you know, they're absorbing it. They're reading their Bible. They're telling me they're praying. You know, they're on this, this path. Um, but sometimes it feels like they genuinely haven't repented. And I, I don't know if that's just me thinking that. And usually they'll say, yeah, oh yeah, I've definitely repented. But it doesn't seem like they really have. And I only say that because they keep doing the thing that they supposedly repented for. And a, repenting is apologizing. You're apologizing to God for whatever sins you've done. And it, part of apologizing is changing your behavior. Because if you're not changing, you're not sorry. If you're not changing, you're not sorry. And so you shouldn't apologize for things that you intend to keep doing. You can't repent and continue doing the things that you have repented of. Obviously, we're going to slip up. As Christians, we're going to slip up. Um, but there's a difference in a, a sinful lifestyle and sinning on occasion. And so I think that my question really is, are you noticing that a lot of other people are struggling with the repentance thing? Because evangelizing is important. Telling everybody about God is important, but it's very, very important for people to actually repent. And are you running into the issue of whenever you're talking to people, they're like, oh, I I just, I don't know. I don't know if I can apologize and like, you know, change my behavior. It, it all boils down to self-awareness, right? We, 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 we don't really, we don't analyze ourselves sometimes and we don't analyze ourselves truthfully. So that was my sin, right? Nobody told me the gospel message until I was 42. I didn't seek it either because I thought I was basically a good person. Yeah, was I a good person? Well, maybe in comparison to a friend that I knew or, you know, somebody in prison, maybe maybe I was, but by God's moral standard that he, that he lays out in the Old Testament, well, no, nobody can live up to that. Self-awareness about who we really are, and maybe that is a good thing about the internet and all the social media and everything, 
in and of itself, social media is not something that's evil and, and that we should turn away from, I believe. But what it does do is it points a mirror back at you because everything you see that's good or bad on there is revealing our human nature. It's revealing what we're thinking anyway. Right. So if you stay off and it's horrible, no, it's just who we are. Yeah. I mean, you can learn a lot about people from just looking at their feeds. Yeah, you can. You can learn about everything about them, really. Self-awareness, really looking at yourself. And that comes down to sitting in the pew and being convicted. Right. Am I truly following Christ or am I, am I just coming here on Sunday morning and then the, the rest of the week looks different? You know? Yeah. So you really people need to examine themselves. And maybe we're too busy to do that. I don't know, but that's where the problem lies. Yeah, I don't know if I think it's a busyness issue so much as it is an aversion to truth issue. I think that a lot of people just genuinely are uncomfortable sitting with themselves and evaluating themselves and thinking, oh, wow, yeah, I did that, and I should probably apologize to God for that. I think that a lot of people are just more comfortable, um, you know, in, in falsehoods. I think they are more comfortable literally lying to themselves than they are to accept things that they've done um, and apologize to God for doing those things and really working at not doing those things again. I think that people forget that a lot of your sins that you're doing and that, you know, God hates, you're also doing them against others. You're also doing them against yourselves. And the Bible talks about for like sexual immorality, for example, um, it talks about how that is a sin against yourself because you're sinning against your own body. Why are you sinning against yourself? You shouldn't do that. Obviously, we all have struggles in this world. I mean, we all have struggles with sin that we, you know, struggle with, but there are sins against God. There are sins against others. There are sins against yourself. And And I think that people just are more comfortable sitting in a space in their head and in their soul where it's just like, I didn't really do that. Like they try to gaslight themselves into believing that they're not the kind of monster that could do something like that. They're more comfortable lying to themselves. And that is a huge, huge problem because you're not going to be able to be forgiven one by God if you are not apologizing. And also if you sin against other people, you should also apologize to them, by the way. Um, But you're not going to be able to get forgiveness if you are being dishonest about the things that you've done from God or others, and you're not going to be able to stop doing that thing because you have decided somehow in your mind and soul that that's not wrong. And unfortunately, for all of the my truthers out there, you don't get a truth. You don't get a truth. You get an opinion. It would be a weird opinion to have um, to act like sin is okay, but you, you you can have that opinion if you want, but you cannot change truth. Truth will go on being truth whether or not you acknowledge it. Um, And if you don't, then it just shows that you're a weak individual. It just shows that you are a coward. It just shows that you're frankly not going to be able to go to heaven if you are not able to apologize. And it really shouldn't even be about getting into the kingdom of heaven. It should be about having a real relationship with God. And I do see that there are also a lot of people out here who, um, you know, if they are repenting, you know, quote unquote, then it's really for what am I going to get out of this? Oh, I want to go to heaven. I want to see the pearly gates. I want to walk on the golden roads. Like, but you can't, you cannot trick your way into heaven. You cannot, um, you can't do that. Like God can see you through and through. He knows everything about you. You're not going to be able to hide from him. It's just like Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden after they had eaten the fruit that they were not supposed to eat. And then God was like, Hey, where are you guys? Where are you? Where are you? He knew where they were. He knew exactly where they were. God likes to give people the opportunity, um, you know, to not, to not embarrass themselves basically. And just like come towards him and apologize and correct their behavior 
behavior. But God was just, you know, going around, where are you guys? Where are you? Like acting like he didn't know where they were. They were hiding. Um, they knew they were naked at that point. And, um, you know, they were just trying to hide from God. You can't hide from God. You're never going to be able to hide from God. Not anything, not any part of you. So good luck with that. But you're not going to be able to have any luck because luck doesn't exist. Um, you're just, you're just kind of screwed if you do not acknowledge that biblical uh, truth exists, that God's objective biblical truth is the ultimate source of truth. Um, you're going to, you're going to be in a whole hot mess because you can't defend yourself. You can't descend, you can't defend uh, any of your stances because you have declared that you don't think truth exists. And so if truth doesn't exist, then everything is okay. And obviously not everything is okay. Um, we have to maintain a level of justice in our world or, you know, what happens then? Oh yeah, there's mayhem. So I think that a lot of people do struggle with repenting. Um, and even if they are repenting, I feel like a lot of people are struggling with uh, repenting for the right reasons. Um, it should be about having a closer relationship with God, a relationship with God at all for many of you. And um, it should not be about what am I going to get out of this? And I think a lot of people do get caught up in that. I'm going to be in the kingdom of heaven forever. Like heaven obviously is where you want to wind up for eternity. Yes. But you do need to have a relationship with God. You, that needs to be your primary focus. And if you do really, really want to have a relationship with God, then you're going to read the Bible. You're going to care to understand the Bible. You're going to look up Hebrew words as they pop up and you want to understand what those mean. You're going to really care. Um, you're not going to be indifferent to the word of God. If you are saved, you're just, you're just not going to be. So I think, and you're definitely not going to be indifferent to God's commandments. You're definitely not going to think that sin is okay. Uh, if you are saved. So I would challenge everybody to evaluate, um, I guess, the the state of your salvationhood, if you will, because you're just, you've got to understand that it has to be about God, that everything in this world, uh, there's a lot of self-love, self-care, um, you know, me, 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 narcissism, selfishness. Like, this is what I want. This is what I can, this, I got to do this for me. This is not serving me anymore. And you kick that thing out of your life. Like, there's a lot of selfishness in our world. And I think, that at the very, at a very basic level. Um, I, I'm sorry, I keep ranting, but I, I have so many things to say, but I do think there's this basic level of under not understanding that God is the epitome of what everything is about. The entire reason that we are all here is to worship and glorify God. It is not to worship and glorify ourselves. It is not to pinpoint what is and isn't serving us anymore. It is, is not to, uh, self love ourselves into, you know, oblivion. It is not to go around telling people our truth, which is just us trying to get them to to convince them to believe our lies that make us feel better about ourselves. Like that is not the point of all of this. The point of all of this is to worship and glorify God and have a real relationship with him. Um, and to understand that at the end of the day, we really are nothing. We're, we are not, we are depraved sinners, all of us. The difference of course, is that when you are close with God, you want to sin as infrequently as possible. You genuinely care about offending God. You don't want to do that. Um, and so I do think that there is like a big problem with people just not grasping the whole point of our of our lives and why we're here, which again is why I'm telling you guys all the time on the podcast to read your Bible, because that will explain very clearly to you why you're here. It will explain very clearly what things to stay away from so that you can have a happy, prosperous, and long life. Um, God wants the best for you. God would not make things that he wanted to destroy. So he gives us instructions uh, in order to preserve our lives. He wants you to have the happiest, healthiest, longest life possible. And so he gives you instructions um, in, in 
if that teach you how to do that and everybody will turn their nose up at the Ten Commandments like, oh, this is so needlessly restrictive. No, it's lovingly protective. It's lovingly protective. I don't, we don't make things in our own lives just to go just like watch them get destroyed. We wouldn't, I wouldn't make rules for any of my many companies that just to make them, you know, just to make the companies suffer. Like, no, I'm doing it because I want the companies to be successful. I want them to be long living. I want them to do well. I want them to be happy and healthy. And that is what God wants for us. And so I think that, um, you know, a lot of people just don't understand. They don't understand that it's such an immature stance to take that, oh, the Ten Commandments are just so mean. What? Are you a grown adult? Um, So anyway, I wanted to ask you, because a lot of the younger people that listen to my podcast will reach out to me and my team and ask, what what book of the Bible should I start in? Like, is there a way to do this, a formula, if you will? Um, And I just always tell people, start in Genesis and work your way through. Just start in Genesis and go all the way through to Revelation. Um, But do you have any specific instructions that you give people? Like, are there books that you're telling people to read first that is not Genesis? Because that's just what I am usually telling people. Yeah, um, I think it really kind of depends on the person. Um, The book that kind of drove me to Christ and realizing, kind of getting ridding myself of myself, like you were just saying, was the book, book of Ecclesiastes. Here I was, a business owner. I could kind of identify with Solomon because things were falling apart around me. But after I'm dead, none of that's going to mean it. I mean, you know, they'll have a funeral and they'll remember me for a couple of days. But after that, I'm gone. Yeah. And, and then I thought, well, that none of this makes sense then without a God, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's, so for me, it was Ecclesiastes. Now, for most people, that wouldn't be true. Mm-hmm. I believe that's why there's 66 books by 38 authors or however many authors there are, because we're varied. People have different... Um, tastes and, and things that they they like they you know they they go towards different things so i think that's why the bible is designed the, the way it is that's why the books are so varied in it mm-hmm. if i have a new believer or even somebody that doesn't believe but wants to be discipled and wants to really find out um, i always start with the book of mark and the reason i do that the the book of mark is all about the deity of christ yeah and it's an easy book to go through uh, John is a wonderful book, but it gets pretty complicated if you really, yeah, you know. So I would I always suggest Mark, and um, if I with my students, like in high school, I would give them those translations that everybody says, "Oh, that's not really the Bible," but if it helps them read through and understand. I'm all for that because they can always get a, a, a different translation as they grow in Christ, NIV, NLT, any of those. And I think they work. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people get caught up on which translation do you use? It's like it's like translation supremacy. And I, it, it's always blown my mind because I'm like, I mean, they're not really that different. Like they all have the general message. I prefer the ESV. Um, I'm also looking into the Tree of Life version. So maybe, maybe I'll want to look into that. Um, but yeah, I read ESV. So the, there's like all, you know, I used to really like the New Living Translation. That was my, that one's like more pretty word, like flowery words, very poetic sounding. Um, there's a lot of different versions, but the, yeah, they all pretty much have the same message. And if you can get people to read, you know, the NLT versus the ESV, it's like, who are we to say, oh my gosh, wow. 
I can't believe you're not reading the English Standard Version. Like, I, I've never really been able to understand why there is, like, you know, <laughs> translation supremacy. Um, you know, there, it really seems like there is. But I, I really like that you're getting people to start in Matthew in some cases, it sounds like, which is great because it, you know, tells them the story of Jesus and the important parts of him, you know, being... Because a lot of people don't know, like, even today, like, a lot of Christians, though, literally, they call themselves Christians. I'm like, is Jesus God? And they will say, I don't know. I'm not sure. Something like that. And I'm like, what? Like, yes, he is God. He's God. You know that, right? And so, um, yeah, a lot of people still are just confused. Like, you know, Trinity, is that really a real thing? It's like, yeah, yes, it is. Yep. God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. That's how it is. That's how it goes. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it just goes back to the importance of people reading the Bible. But I do think starting in, in Matthew is good. The deity of Jesus Christ, understanding that is crucial. Um, and yeah, so I think that's really great. Because a lot of pastors, I really respect that you are not like pushing one specific uh, translation because a lot of pastors do. If you're a King James Version uh, elitist. <laughs> exactly. It's probably the least accurate translation there is because we learned a lot about Koine Greek with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Brought a lot of meaning that we didn't have before to life. So I think if you take a Holman or a CSB or a ESV or some of these newer translations... I think they're more accurate. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm an ESV girl, but, you know, branching off into the Tree of Life version. I, I'm really excited to read the Tree of Life version. Um, I'm really excited. You guys should check that out. Uh, it's slightly different order. It's slightly different er order of some of the biblical, like the books that we've read them in a certain order, but it's it, they take it's a different order a little bit. But anyway, um, some people ask me, do you think denominations matter? Uh, you know, we're talking right now about how the different Bible translations may be doesn't matter so much. Um, do you do you think that denominations within the Protestant uh, movement, do you think that they really matter? And uh, I would just like to get your opinion on that. Okay. So I, I think yes and no. So I came to Christ later in life. I went to a Southern Baptist seminary and I'm, I serve in Southern Baptist churches, but I'm not so tied to Baptist tradition that I wouldn't throw it all away to see people come to Christ, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you find that, and, and, and it, it's sad when that happens. So I'm not married to any tradition, but I think the Baptist faith and mission is probably the, the aligns most closely when you look at Scripture. So I think it's doctrine there is. So does it matter? Yeah. And no, because I think like the different books of the Bible, I think God designed different denominations to fit different types of personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them might like to go to the assembly of God and listen to that praise and worship. Probably that person wouldn't be find uh, a hymn with an organ appealing, right? <laughs> yeah. So doctrine matters, though, right? Yeah. I think you you have the uh, the major doctrines, you know, the deity of Christ. Well, that that can't be altered. Um baptism? Well, that's pretty important. I had a student one time that had was brought up in the Catholic tradition, was baptized as a baby, and she thought she was saved based just off off the baptism. Well, that's not good, <laughs> right? So doctrine matters. 
Yes. And I do view this very similarly to, you know, the different translations of the Bible that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, You know, I do view a lot of the denominations as kind of getting around to the same thing. Um, You know, all the translations of the Bible are about the same. All of the denominations are kind of about the same. But I also think, I uh, think, I think, I also think that, you know, a lot of the denominations do kind of... um, Well, I mean, what I'm noticing is that a lot of the denominations, it's like each one kind of picks like a major um, thing from the Bible and then they kind of run with it. Like, you know, Presbyterians, predestination, that's what everybody thinks of when they think of Presbyterians. Um, uh, What else? Let's see. Baptist baptizing. Um, You know, there's, they all have like their thing that they, they kind of run with. And I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm just saying that that is what I have observed. And uh, so it, it does seem similar to the different Bible translations to me that where it's like, everybody's very, very drawn to, to one certain one. And there's like, you know, the translation supremacy. Um, it does seem like a lot of people in the Protestant church are just like, you know, I Presbyterian supremacy or whatever. And so I, I do think that doctrine does definitely matter. Um, but yeah, I think that it would be so cool if the Protestants could get to this place. And I love that you said it earlier that, you know, I'm not going to put my, you, I'm kind of just paraphrasing, but like the, you said, you're not going to put like your Baptistness above, you know, people being saved. And I think that that's very important. Although I love the Baptists and I love what y'all believe. Baptists are always out here just doing things. And I really respect that. Um, but I guess I just wanted to ask, um, there are a lot of people who it's like, I don't know what it is. It's like they want to read the Bible, but they don't. Like they they talk about it and then they don't ever do it. And then they're like, I I intend to. I'm going to. I think it's an important thing. I'm like, I'll and I'll ask them, like, is there anything more important for you to be doing right now than reading your Bible and understanding God's, you know, instructions to the planet that he made? And they're just like, no, no, you're right. I should I should read it, but they don't read it. And so I don't know. Like, how do you get people like that? Because they're very wishy-washy with it and they're like yeah, I know I need to do that, but I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. And I'm going to though. And, but then they never do. So like, what, like, I guess like what as our, as Christians, like, should we do with people like that? Well, I see a bigger problem that's actually trending. Um, Most churches today, they're missing two or three generations of people, (laughs) you know, Mm. And, and that's sad. So we, I see a lot of Christians and maybe, their parents grew up in the faith and they got hurt by somebody in the church, just backed out completely. And they said, well, church is bad. You know, we're staying away because I I see, especially the younger millennial generation, they're just not coming. And and they're saying, well, we're part of the corporate church and we're in the Bible. Does it say, well, the Bible's pretty clear. We're to assemble. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have ordinances. Uh, We have the ordinances of baptism and communion. Well, communion is a time for the group, the collective group, to be quiet and meditate on who Christ is in, in Calvary, what occurred there. That is supposed to happen as a group. Yes. You can't be held accountable for for your doctrine because you and I could sit down and read the Bible and one of us could take it totally out of context. And if we can't discuss that with another believer, well, then uh, the doctrine gets out of whack pretty quick and so does sin. Yes, that's very true. So I think just to start, 
Christians, you have you have to go to church. I don't think it's an option. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's it's so sad though because there's not you know I'm not seeing like a ton of super biblical churches out here, but people do need to be in fellowship with other believers. They do need to go to church. They do need to assemble. They do need to take communion together. You know, there's we're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be in fellowship with one another, and it's an excellent point about you know what if you're taking it out of context and and we need another opinion. You have to have a group, a solid group of Christians to hold each other accountable um, for so many things, you know, to make sure that you're, uh, you know, understanding the Bible contextually, that you're getting it um, and it's full. You're not just cherry picking verses to suit whatever sin you want, like the Muslims do. Cough, cough. Who said that? I guess I did. Um, you know, they're, you know, they're just because the Muslims take certain parts of the Old Testament and then twist it into being something that uh, glorifies sin because they're weak men. I don't get me started. We're just not going to do that. We're going to do that on this episode, Jenny. Calm it down. Take it down. Um, we're going to do that on another episode, though. Um, but yeah, I, I do. Yeah, you do need to have accountability is so huge. Whenever I'm telling people, you know, you need to read the Bible, but do it with your friends. It's always because I, I want people to have accountability. We're supposed to have accountability as Christians. We can't just be out here without any accountability. But it does make me sad that there's not like a ton of very biblical churches anymore. And I have seen so many churches that are, you know, just putting rainbow flags outside of their churches, especially in and around D.C., uh, black. Black Lives Matter flags as if God cares about your race at all, literally at all. He is a spiritual being. He's above all of that. Christians should be above all of that. Um, you know, and then homosexuality is a sin. We're not, I mean, God is not, he's, he's welcome to people coming to him with their sin, turning away from their sin and following him. What he's not open to is for the church to act like sin is good and right and love is love, but it's homosexuality and it is not according to God's will, literally at all, because he didn't intend for that to happen because he said so. Um, he, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for that kind of stuff. And so now everybody in the church is like, come one, come all, sin all you want. God forgives you. What? What are y'all doing? But yeah, so um, the accountability is important, but it's important to find a church that will hold you accountable. And I do think that that's a really good point. Millennials, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, uh, y'all got to get back in church. Like y'all got to, y'all. So I understand that there are a lot of unbiblical churches out there. You do everything you can to find a biblical church. You do not just, you know, wash your hands of it and say, no, too bad. And also, so the people who have been hurt in the church, I've been hurt in the church. It doesn't mean that God is bad just because men in the church are bad. There are some bad men in church. There are some bad men that are affiliated with religion. They see it as a way to manipulate their way into money and power. Uh, some men do. A lot of men historically have. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't keep searching for a biblical church. It doesn't mean that these things that happen to you, you've got to be able to look at things with a bigger lens. You scope out, scope out churches, but look at it from from a bird's eye view, you are one tiny depraved human in the universe. And this happened to you. It's tragic. If, you know, I was sexually harassed is what happened to me. But, um, you know, if, if it does happen to you, you've got to take yourself out of the scenario and look at it before what it is. It's a flawed man did something flawed, sinned and scarred you. But don't attribute one man's sinfulness to the entire church. You can't do that. You got to just go find a different church. Go find different um, spiritual leaders that are actually interested in 
you know, the state of your soul rather than taking advantage of you pursuing righteousness. Yes, that's right. And then I think it's the unction of the Holy Spirit working on an unbeliever. And that can work through several people. You know, how everybody says, well, you know, you plant the seed. Well, that's right. You know, um, different stages of life can bring somebody to Christ. It could be just be ready to, to tell them. You know, tell your neighbor, and it might be in a tragedy or something, but at some point they're going to come to you and ask. Yeah. You know, so I think for unbelievers, a lot of times they'll get in the Word, they just won't understand it. That's very true. You know, and church is important for that, too. Yes, it definitely is. And just to go back to what you were saying about, you know, when you're evangelizing on these college campuses and talking to the kids about, you know, are you Christian? They say yes, then they can't tell you what that means. Um, you know, it is, it is, it's the church. You need to go to church, talk to clergy, talk to the members, but it's everybody working together to try to make sure that everybody's understanding the, the main reason for church, which is to understand the gospel and to love, honor, and worship Jesus Christ as your savior. Like that's the main point. I think a major component that's missing from church bodies today is actually church discipline. Now, Church discipline is not scolding somebody to boot them out of the congregation. What it is what it is to do is to show them in love where there is unrepented sin. If you let sin continue in the body, well then who wants to be a part of that? You know, and I think that's a problem with our church because I think you get a lot of uh, pastoral people that e- they either don't want to rock the boat because they've been booted out of several churches. They don't want giving to stop because if the giving stops, well, then the church ceases to exist. For it to be God's church and God's bride, purity has to remain as best you can within that body. And I think that's missing today, too. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I've been to many, many churches. I mean, I talked about earlier, you know, like I went through my thing where it was like, you know, whatever, sexually harassed at a church. But I, I had to just come to the place like this is a fallible man. He happens to be a pastor. And if things are really, really bad, then you leave the church and just go find another church. But you have to remember that even churches are fallible. Um, you know, sometimes like I remember when we were just kind of I called it church hopping when I was young. We were kind of church hopping after one of our we loved a pastor, He but he left. And then we had to get a new pastor, and so we were started church hopping. But anyway, um, you know, like, you're just going to run into some bad churches, but it, you can come to the place where you understand that, just depending on how bad it is, you obviously don't want to stay if it's abusive or anything. Um, but just remember that humans are fallible, and even pastors, even clergy, even other people that go to your church with you. I saw, There was a really cool quote that I remember seeing um, one time. Uh, it said, church is not a museum for the saints. It is a hospital for sinners. And I, that has always stuck with me because it's very true. Even the pastors, even the clergy, even the other people at your church, they are fallible human beings and they can hurt you. Um, they have a, the capacity to hurt you. But if it is abusive, just find another church. If it's not, if it's not that bad, forgive them if they're sorry and, you know, make sure they don't do it again. And But move on. Uh, just practice forgiveness, maybe. Church is not meant to be easy. Right. There, there's this thing called dying to yourself uh, when you become a Christian. The, the burden is light. The yoke is, is light. But we have to die to ourselves, And I think a lot of that happens through sin at the church, unfortunately. But it, that should make us stronger if it's done properly and, uh, and sanctify us to be uh, more Christ-like. Yeah, and that is the place that I ended up getting to. I was just like, you can't. Mix. I mean, we ended up leaving the church, but it was, well, like I 
came to the place where I realized, okay, this is a person. I can't expect this person to be perfect because this person is a person um, with the pastor that sexually harassed me. But, but anyway, um, I wanted to talk about, because, um, you know, a lot of sins are forgivable and God can forgive, you know, a lot of things. There is mentioned, though, in the Bible, you know, one unforgivable sin. And I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit because I just don't, I don't think that people talk about it very much. And I don't know why. Um, you know, cause a lot of the time when you're going to church, it's just, Oh Jesus, you know, forgive everything and everything is forgiven. And most things are, um, if you repent truly and, and work to sin no more as Jesus instructed, go and sin no more. But there is one sin that is mentioned that is unforgivable. And so I just wanted to talk about that a little bit if we can. Yeah, I've studied this a little bit here lately, recently. So in the Old Testament, there is one sin that says that it will not go unpunished, basically. And you find that in Exodus 20, and that is not, and here's the verse. It says, you shall not take the name of the of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So if you notice, the word Lord is repeated twice, and the word vain is repeated twice. So that's that's pretty significant, right? When when you see within one verse, two words repeated twice. So what does that mean? Well, if you go back to the book of Ecclesiastes that we were talking about, vanity means emptiness. So if you're taking the Lord's name, which is I am, in vain, that means that you're saying that his name is void, futile, empty, pointless, and wasted, So blaspheming his name, which means you basically saying God God is not either either there or he's powerless, right, by stoning in the Old Testament. Fast forward to the New Covenant. Well, all sins are uh, forgiven, right, under the blood of Christ. But what is not forgiven is if you take that meaning behind what I just said, well, then you're not a believer at that point. Yeah. That's the unpardonable sin is not belief. Yeah. And I always thought that was so profound because it's God will forgive every sin apart from you not believing in him. That's right. And it's more than just belief, Jenny. So that's, and that's part of what you say, well, that's just a word. Well, the devil believes, you know, the demons believe doesn't mean they're going to be in heaven. So what does it mean to be saved? Well, if you're on a train to heaven, there's two rails that that's running on, and that's repentance, which we've talked about. And that's realizing who you are in relationship to who God is, His holiness and His justice, right? And then also, besides repentance, then you have to have faith in Him. Repentance and faith, those are the two things. And when you have those things, then you want to be obedient to Christ. It's not rules that you're following. It's that you want to repent. You want to be faithful because of the the goodness of the grace that they gave you. So what separates Christianity from every other religious belief in the world is that in every other religious belief, you believe you have to do good to get to heaven, and you never know if it's good enough, right? Christianity is the total opposite. I could never be good enough, so I have to put my faith in the one that was. And it makes sense. It's the only, it's the only, to me, it's the only religion that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, it's the only religion that's different in that way. Like you were, you know, talking about, I mean, it's, to me, it has always been that way too, where I'm just looking at it and I'm like, okay, 
uh, Christianity is obviously, you know, one of these things is not like the others and Christianity is not like the other religions in that we do not have a brownie point system like all of these other religions have created. You have to meet so-and-so criteria in order to meet so-and-so criteria so that you can meet so-and-so criteria so that you can um, be saved. And Jesus took all of that upon himself. We don't have a brownie point system. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is repent. All you have to do is follow God and read your Bible and know, you know, and understand him. Um, but it's not like this brownie point system that God is keeping of your every single sin and and your good deeds and then your bad deeds. And then let's just see what we tally up here. And then abracadabra, boom, you're saved or you're not. It's not like that for Christianity, but it's like that for every other religion in the world. Um, and so it is very, you know, important for people to just know that, like, it's not about us meeting this, this uh, vain, egotistic, a thing where we are just making ourselves into being worthy of salvation. You're never going to be able to make yourself into being worthy of salvation. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. We are depraved sinners. That is why Jesus came to this earth and died for us. And that is the difference. None of your other religions in the world are having um, God himself come down in human form, sacrifice himself because we were too depraved to do that. We just are too disgusting because of the fall of man, because of our sin, um, you know, and sacrificed himself in order to save us. We, the savior has been here. It is, we have, and he's coming back and we all need to really start getting prepared for that with all of the things that are happening now in the news. I mean, I really think that everybody should get, be getting their souls prepared for that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the only religion that's different from the other religions. All the other religions have these men, prophet men, savior men, you know, like Muhammad, the pedophile of Islam. Um, you know, they have these, these tragic men that they're, they're trying to become. And it's so ironic because they're all so sinful and then they're telling them that sin are okay, um, that sins are okay. And then they're, but they're still trying to reach this level of perfection. How are you going to reach perfection? Acting like sin's okay. My guys, are y'all all right in the head? Are y'all okay in the soul? Or you're going to be okay. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, but religion, Christianity is the only religion that makes any sense. It's the only religion that's different from the other religions. And it's the only religion where there's no brownie point system. You are either saved or you're not saved. You either believe or you don't believe. Um, so, yeah. You know, the, just what you said there is apologetics. It's defending the faith because no no sane person would have made up this story and written it the way it was in the New Testament. God would have came and he was thrown thunderbolts down and said, everybody's saved. That would have been something a human would have wrote. I think scripture is divine precisely because it doesn't say that. And every disciple died and was martyred for the faith, except for John. But... um they, they didn't have anything to gain by this whatsoever. They had to leave their Jewish faith and tradition, which means they gave up their inheritance and any respect they would have had in, in the community because bloodline meant, meant everything to the Jewish faithful. And they gave all that up. And they looked foolish doing it. And if they, if, if they would have written the account the way they wanted to write it, they, Peter wouldn't have denied Christ three times right? Points to the truth of scripture. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, I love Leonard Ravenhill and you can get on and YouTube him. Now he comes across very harsh, but I believe he believed every word he was preaching. Um, another person I really like is David Wilkerson, not an SBC guy. He came from a charismatic background in New York City. Love his sermons. Oh my goodness. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones. I love listening to his sermons, and you can download an app on your phone that just has his sermons on there. A uh, little stuffy, a little old-fashioned, but boy, is it rich and deep. Uh, if you want to, something that kind of relates to our time would be Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I believe we're repeating what he was going through, and, and you could look at the, the situation the church was in Germany during that time and see a lot of parallels. So if you want something historical that's also a little bit spiritual— uh, I would read any of the Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, about the time, you know, during Nazi Germany. Um, so that's another good resource. And then I like Francis Chan, too. He's one of my favorites. Awesome. Well, where can my audience find you? Because I know after they listen to uh, these episodes, we're breaking it down into multiple parts. But um, they're going to want to find you. So where can they find you online? Because you have a lot of good stuff to say. And I would love for them to be able to find you and get more excellent advice and insight from you. So where can they find you online? Yeah. So I just started a podcast. It's called My Bible Thoughts with Pastor Rich. You can find that on any of the uh, directories. Basically, what I'm doing is going verse by verse through the book of Acts. Uh, I go about seven verses. I give a quick commentary, and then we end in prayer. So I've been doing that uh, twice a week. And then also, uh, if you like articles, I write a, a daily devotion, and that's on Medium. So just go to the Medium site and type in Bitterman, and it will pull up. Amazing. And can you give them your Twitter handle so that they can go find you on there as well? It's W underscore Bitterman. That's B as in boy, I-T-T-E-R-M-A-N. Amazing. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Pastor Rich Bitterman. This has been just very fruitful discussion, I think. And I think we just need to have more conversations like this. People need to go out like you are and evangelize. Talk to people. Don't wait for people to come to your church. Don't wait for people to come to your house. It's probably not going to happen. You need to go reach out to people, get them to come to your church, invite them over to your house, do a Bible study together, and you know, do fellowship, have time together as Christians, um, and take communion together and really get serious about what the Bible says. And it's not, I've been looking into messianic Judaism, like that's a whole nother thing that we're going to be talking about in some future episodes. Um, But you know, it's not that we absolutely have to do the things that are in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, like that you have to do. But sometimes, yeah, you do. Sometimes there's some things that we do need to keep and, and remember to do. And so I'm just saying that everybody needs to read their Bible, understand what we should be doing, take it very seriously. Do not buy into all of this worldly garbage that is not fulfilling your soul. And you know it, you know, it's not fulfilling you. Um, and, and really just turn back to God. We have to, as a culture, turn back to God and not by force. You know, it has to be this, um, it has to be this thing that you want. It has to be this thing that you, you realize that you need and you're turning to God because you realize that, oh, snap. This wasn't going too too good without God. So I, again, thank you so much for coming on and you're welcome on anytime. I would love to have you on again in the future to talk about other things going on. Um, you also have a lot of good insight when it comes to the news and politics stuff. I, I enjoyed this all of this conversation with you immensely. And thank you so much, so much again. Well, thank you, Jenny. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it also. It was a delight. 